Hello and welcome to Asia Bridge, the podcast where we present the best of Asia society programs in 15 minutes or less. I'm Matt Skiavenza. Born in 1953, Wei Jian Shan has lived a life of achievement. He was the first citizen of the People's Republic of China to get a PhD in the United States, and he became a pioneer in private equity investing and is today regarded as one of the world's most successful financiers. Sean's origins are far more humble. As a teenager during China's Cultural Revolution, he was exiled to a remote corner of the country alongside millions of other young people. In his new memoir, Out of the Gobi, My Story of China and America, Sean recounts his youthful experience in Mao-era China, his bewildering first years in the United States, and his unique perspective on the culture and history of both places. Sean recently discussed his memoir at Asia Society New York with New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman. He began by recalling the harsh conditions he faced as a poor teenager in the Gobi. The only source of fuel was cow dung, cow manure. When dried, you can burn it for you know, seven, eight minutes. So every night, we would burn some cow dung, dried cow dung, to heat up the room a little bit before we get into or enter the cover. When I first came to this country, I noticed that when people disagree with each other, they use the expression, bullshit. <laughs> I thought to myself, that thing used to be so dear to me. In addition to facing poverty, Sean and the other young men and women exiled to the countryside went to great lengths to obtain knowledge. During the Cultural Revolution, even those books translated into Chinese available before the Cultural Revolution were banned during the Cultural Revolution. And only books by Mao, Marx, Lenin were allowed. And it was very difficult to find a book but, of course, I just read whatever I could lay my hands on. I would go to some homes and search for books. And some people still have copies of books lying around somewhere. At one time, over a long period of time, I read the insecticide manual. Oh, yes, um, manual. And uh, because that was the only book available at the time, so I know everything about pesticide, insecticide, you know, if you have roach problem, rest problem. When Sean arrived as a graduate student at UC Berkeley, his advisor, future Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen, was struck by how little formal education he had. She said she was stunned to find that, in fact, I've never taken a formal mathematics course at all, yet I was in the PhD program. Whatever I learned was by a candlelight. Uh, there was a small error there. We couldn't afford candles. I was using kerosene oil with a wick in a small bowl. And under that light, you know, I was able to do some reading. But I really miss all my friends in the Gobi who didn't have the chance to read, to study. And therefore, when everything was over, they didn't have any knowledge and skill to get a decent job. Uh, and they have lived in poverty ever since. The Cultural Revolution, which began in 1966, lasted 10 years until the death of Mao Zedong. Shan, then a young student in Beijing, participated in the protest movement that year in Tiananmen Square, later the site of 1989's pro-democracy protests. Here, Shan describes how a kind professor spared him from an uncertain fate. On um, April the 4th, 
1976 to remember Zhou Enlai, who died on January the 8th of that year. And Mao's followers, his wife, Jia, and others were against him. So in order to express their discontent and resentment, about a million people, and maybe more, went to Tiananmen Square to demonstrate. And people expressed themselves by writing poems and by denouncing Jiang Qing, Mao's wife, and her followers. And some poems actually were directed towards Mao, which was a taboo at the time. And then there was a crackdown. And some people were arrested. And uh, there was some investigation who went to the Tiananmen Square. And the party secretary of the department, the English department where I was studying, called me into his office and said, we heard you went to Tiananmen Square. In fact, I told everybody to go. And so it was no secret I went over there. And so he said, uh, you know, did you uh, take notes of the poems that you saw and, and so forth? It was an investigation. And you get trouble uh, for having done so. I took a lot of pictures. My mother, in fact, hid them until after everything was over. That is, you know, after Mao died. And uh, I said quite defiantly to the party secretary, yes, I did go over there. I didn't take note, but I memorized all the poems. And I started to recite the poems to him. She was pretty ballsy, I must yeah. say. <laughs> well, you know, you, you couldn't get uh, yeah. much worse off uh, at that particular point. And uh, he stopped me. He said, stop. I don't want you to tell anybody that you went over there and you saw the poems and you remembered all the poems. And I immediately realized he was trying to protect me. And I was so grateful and I thought, I was such a jerk, you know, yeah. I was so defined. And uh, so I thanked him, I walked away. And many people were sympathetic to the, uh, you know, to have the, share the same feeling against the policies of that time. And so to those people who went to Tiananmen Square, they represented the vast majority of the yeah. people. And that's what eventually brought the Cultural Revolution to an end. This is now more than 40 years ago, but the Cultural Revolution remains a taboo subject in China, where few young people possess a thorough understanding of what happened. Sean has seen this firsthand. I'm afraid that today, the Cultural Revolution is little mentioned. I'll tell you a story. A few years back, I was asked by the chairman of China Merchant Group, which is a very large company in China, to become independent director of China Merchant Bank, which is the fifth largest bank in China, because I know something about banking. And I tried to decline it, and he said, you, know, you have to do this as public service, you have to help us. So reluctantly, I agreed. And the bank made a public announcement that I was uh, appointed an independent director before they completed one critical process, that is the approval by the regulators, China Banking Regulatory Commission. And they thought it was going to be a formality, and usually 
it is a formality, so we fill out some forms and send it to the regulator. A few days later, my secretary called me as I was traveling. She said, they asked a question. Why did you not fill out where you went to middle school or <laughs> wow. high school? So I said, well, just send them a message to say, I have never been to middle school. And then a few days later, another question came. Why did you not go to the middle school? Wow. And I sent another message back. I said, for this question, you will have to ask the great leader, Chairman Mao. Wow. <laughs> wow. They never approved me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so wow. in public record, I was independent director of China Merchant Bank. And some of my investors were a private equity firm, PAG's private equity firm. You know, we manage money for our investors. They do background check. They said, oh, you are the independent director of this bank. I said, no, I was not. It's in the public record. Wow. It's in the announcement. They never approved me. And I thought that whoever was processing the papers, obviously, didn't know anything about the Cultural Revolution. And he would be so surprised wow. that somebody like myself had never gone to middle school. You know, that was the level of knowledge. And I think it's very dangerous to forget that part of the history. The sure way to avoid repeating the history is to remember it. Thank you for listening to Asia Bridge. If you want to hear more, you can visit our show page at asiasociety.org podcast, or you can find the link for the full video for our event. You can also subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Asia Society. Until next time, this is Matt Skiavenza.